Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. Bonjour everyone, this is Melody and we're back with French-Canadian News. We'll start with some exciting news coming out of Canada with an article talking about how Canada is planning to drop vaccine requirements and the ArriveCan app to cross the border. According to several reports, these requirements could be dropped by the end of September. This would open the Canadian border back up for more of us to travel again. Next up, we have book news with the upcoming Daughter of the King sequel, Daughter of the Shadows, coming in March 2023. This historical fiction series tells the story of Isabel, a Protestant girl from La Rochelle, France, who converts to Catholicism and boards a ship to New France as a fille du roi to escape certain death. Check out author Carrie Chapeau's website to keep up to date with this future release. There's a new hockey team coming to Quebec called La Force de Montréal. This up-and-coming women's hockey team will debut this winter and tour in smaller towns throughout Quebec, as well as compete at their home base in Montreal. Don't miss this new team of talented female players as they represent Montreal as well as all of Quebec. There's a job opportunity at UMaine as an assistant professor of political science and Canadian studies. This is a 50-50 joint appointment in the political science department and the Canadian American Center with a tenure home in political science. One of the main requirements for this position is being an active contributor to the research and outreach program of the Canadian American Center by organizing events, symposiums, and activities at a national level. If this sounds like a perfect fit for you, check out this job listing. And now on to events. On September 28th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Dana Center at St. Anselm's College in Manchester, New Hampshire, join the New England authors of the collaborative book French All Around Us for a panel discussion. This panel will highlight the New England authors of the book and allow them to speak more elaborately on their individual chapters. On October 13th at 7 p.m., check out this upcoming virtual presentation with author David Vermet titled the Ku Klux Klan in New England in the 1920s. Explore the history of the Klan's New England chapters. In particular, this talk will focus on the conflict between the Klan and New England's Franco-American population. On October 19th, check out an upcoming virtual book talk with author Fabrice Jamal. This presentation will be a deep dive into bilingualism, bilingual education, and cognitive development. He will also discuss his books, Conversations on Bilingualism, and The Bilingual Revolution. The future of education is in two languages. On October 22nd, the Vermont French-Canadian Genealogical Society will be hosting conference speakers and lectures. Check out featured speakers Kyle Hurst, Senior Genealogist of the Newberry Street Press, our own Patrick Lacroix, Director of the Acadian Archives in Fort Kent, Maine, and Howard Coffin, author and researcher best known for his books on the Civil War. Check out the conference list for the full details on each of these speakers and their upcoming lectures. That's all I've got for you this time. Everything I've covered today will be linked in the French Canadian Legacy Podcast episode description. Merci for listening. An exemplary representative of the Franco-Americans, the largest minority group in Maine's history. This is how Douglas Rooks introduces the subject of his recent biography. First, Franco, Albert Beliveau in Law, Politics, and Love. Beliveau was a pioneer for his community, as well as an occasional figurehead. Fittingly, he receives an admiring treatment. But Rooks' book isn't nearly about the exceptionalism of one person, when many were not so fortunate. It is about the larger political world of Franco-Americans, and through the life of Beliveau, we are offered a snapshot of Maine's Franco-Americans in the 20th century. 
Bellavo's beginnings were inauspicious. He was a son of immigrants that had come from the northern part of the eastern townships and the Quebec City region. His parents married in 1886, and Bellavo was born the next year. He grew up in Lewiston's Little Canada. But his was not a typical male family. Rooks describes his father, Severin, as an indifferent provider who appears in records sometimes as a baker, sometimes as a clerk. The beginning of the 20th century found the family in two pulp and paper producing centers, Jay and Rumford. Albert Bellavo worked in his father's bakery, in a foundry, and at the Continental Paper Bag Plant. In 1906, he offered his services to attorney and Democratic politician Matthew McCarthy, his future father-in-law. Bellavo never looked back. His appetite for law, politics, and public life had been whetted. By 1914, he had been admitted to the bar, opened his practice in Rumford, and become a municipal court recorder. Bellavo's horizons broadened significantly with the First World War. He trained in Plattsburgh, at Camp Mead, and then served in Europe. Through this time, Bellavo kept a diary that survives as two notebooks amounting to over 60,000 words. In France, he lived a life of relative luxury. He did not see combat and may not even have seen the front lines at all. Still, he became commander of the American Legion in the state, providing him with visibility that could serve him politically. Belleville was a Democratic candidate for Congress in 1928 and 1930. In both cases, he lost by a large margin. So from that point on, he would serve as a supporter and organizer for his ever-growing network of Democratic connections, many of them Franco or Irish. His faithful services and skills would be rewarded. He was appointed to the State Superior Court in 1935 and to the State Supreme Court nearly 20 years later. We get some of the nitty-gritty of main elections as well as the politics of judicial appointments, including the question of which Franco would advance to the next vacancy, Bellavo or Harold Dubord of Waterville. But there's much more to the book, including Bellavo's negotiation of two different cultures. Like most Franco-American political figures, he believed in integration and acculturation. He valued French and insisted his children use the language. On the other hand, he offered English responses to correspondents who wrote to him in French. That may have been a reflection of his formal education. He was never ashamed of his ethnicity, but neither was his French-Canadian heritage the be-all and end-all of his identity. As the title suggests, this is also a story of family and romance. Bellevaux supported his parents and sisters from an early age. Repeatedly and amid flirtations, he stated he would never marry. This despite being courted by many women. That changed after he had buried his parents. With Margaret McCarthy, he raised three children. Douglas Rooks' work is not a typical Franco-American tale, and therein lies its interest. Published in 2021 by the University of Maine Press, First Franco is an accessible, worthwhile read, and we hope you'll check it out. Bonne lecture. Thank you, Melody, and thank you again, Patrick. For next week's episode, obviously here in the United States, it is full-on election season. You can't go five minutes without seeing another ad. But in a lot of places in Canada as well, it is also election season. So we are super excited to welcome a candidate for city council in Ottawa, Stephanie Plant. And it was a super interesting conversation. We get to talk about kind of her background, uh, her Francophone background, kind of where she grew up and her history, but also a number of the issues that are important to her and kind of her constituents in 
uh, the ward she is hoping to represent in the nation's capital of Ottawa. So really cool conversation. Talk a little bit about some local Ottawa politics, which I think you'll realize is going to sound very, very familiar with a lot of issues we deal with here in the United States. Certainly that's the case of things that we deal with on the municipal level here in Manchester. So next week's episode, candidate for city council in Ottawa, Stephanie Plant. Two weeks from now, we have the New Hampshire Puts In Fest, the largest festival of Puts In in the entire United States. We do it here in the great state of New Hampshire. So having never been to Ottawa, what is the Puts In situation look like there? Is there a specific awesome place known for their Puts In? Well, first of all, congrats on the pronunciation. That's pretty badass. Like there's people who live in Ottawa their whole life who don't pronounce it that way. And you are right on. Appreciate um, yeah. So if you come to Ottawa, it's pretty much a staple of any restaurant here. I would say we have about 400 places that offer puts in, nice. um, but there's definitely, uh, if you go to the place called the Byward market, which is our older, oldest sort of touristy market here, a place called Zups, Z-U-P-S, they have this like duck puts in that is nice. incredible. And then there's an Indian restaurant just around the corner and the name's escaping me and they have a butter chicken puts in. I- oh, wow. Highly recommend, but I'm totally into this puts in fest. Just send me more info and I'm gonna teleport myself there because I, I'm I'm all about this. This is a great idea. Yeah, so it's it sells out in like within like hours every single year, way like months ahead of time, but I know a guy who could probably get you in if you're ever in the area. I love it. It's like a rock concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Stephanie. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Bye tomorrow. Yes. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.